Well, it's good to see you here on our campus. and welcome everybody joining us online. I can't believe we're already three weeks into this series. If you're just jumping in today for the first time, welcome. We've been talking about these areas of our life that oftentimes produce stress, and yet it's in those areas that frequently we meet God. And when we meet God, He can bring blessing to those situations. So I'm glad you're here. If you've missed uh, the first two messages, they're posted on our website, um, vaughnforest.com. I'd encourage you to go back, catch those at some point during the week. But let me tell you what we're going to talk about today. We've got a lot to cover. So let's go ahead and jump right in and let you know that we're going to talk about from stress to blessed with my marriage. And marriage is something that can obviously bring some stress in our lives. And listen, there's no such thing as a stress-free marriage, okay? So let's just kind of make sure everybody's all right up top. But I do think God wants to want you to experience blessing when it comes to your marriage. And let me tell you about something that we're going to be doing coming up here in just a few weeks. We've got a married couple's night out. There is a flyer in your bulletin about this, Friday, October 21st, 6 to 8.30 p.m. We chose that night because Pike Road plays on Thursday night that week, and a lot of y'all have kids that play in the band or kids that play football. You got friends that have kids that play in the band or friends that play, their kids play football. So hopefully that date will work, and um, it's going to be a really fun evening. So let me kind of give you the description again. There's a a flyer in your bulletin that tells you a little bit more about this. We're going to cater in dinner, so we're getting fancy. You know, usually around here, we just order pizza, but not this night, all right? So it's going to be catered. It's going to be really good food. We're going to have big round tables that you can sit out with other couples, and so you'll get a chance to make some new friends. Obviously, if you show up with some other friends that are couples, you sit together. Um, that'll be fun as well. And then Morgan, my wife and I, we're going to be hosting a panel discussion um, for the evening where we talk about love. And I know you think love, I mean, everybody kind of knows what love is, but it's actually a word that's very difficult to understand because in our English, we only get one word, love. So, you know, I've used this example before, but I love Morgan, my wife. I love our boys, Sam, Jacob, and Henry. And I love me some chicken wings. Can I get an amen? All right. So I got to use the same word for all three. But in the New Testament, we get four words. There's actually four words in the New Testament, and they all bring about different connotations as it pertains to love. So we're going to do that night through this panel discussion is discuss those four different words and how we actually begin to understand them in a way we put them into practice in our marriages. I think it's going to be a really fun evening, an informative evening. The cost is 30 bucks, and I would encourage you per couple to go ahead and register as soon as possible because when you work with a caterer, you kind of have to get all of those things turned in ahead of time. So we'll be promoting that over the next several weeks. I think there's a QR code somewhere on a flyer. There's a next step on the, bull- on the uh, connection card, and uh, we look forward to you joining us for that in a few weeks. Let me kind of give you the big idea. Maybe you're jumping in today um, in this series. This is the big idea for the series that we've talked about each week. And um, if you're seeing this for the first time today, I'm going to take a minute and talk about it because it's foundational to not just this message, but literally for this entire series. Moving from stress to blessed has more to do with the internal condition of my heart than the external condition of my circumstances. So we'll leave this up here for a second. I didn't put it in your notes. You might want to jot it down somewhere. But for the Christ follower, this is the difference. Way back in week one, we talked about being born again. That when you experience salvation, John chapter three, you are born again. You get saved. You ask Jesus to come into your heart. There's a number of different ways you can describe this experience, but it's not something that you earn through your external activity. You cannot behave your way into a good relationship with God, nor are there Uh, There's not enough bad things you can do to keep from having a relationship with God. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. So when you accept Jesus Christ into your life and you are born again and he becomes the Lord and Savior of your life, the internal condition of your heart changes. You get a new identity. You move from old to new. You have a new home. 
You're promised a home in heaven for all of eternity. You're just passing through now. You're exile is what the book of 1 Peter calls you here on this earth. So until you get home to be with Jesus, he has a purpose for you here on this earth. And that has to be a light. That is to live an abundant life in the name of Jesus. Now, here's why this matters. See, for the world, for those who are not Christ followers, the external condition, the external circumstances of their life dictate their joy, dictate their happiness, dictate their level of stress. So this really is a gospel, uh, gospel issue for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that the transformation we've experienced in Christ Jesus matters to how we approach every area of our life, including our marriage. So I want to take this foundational gospel principle, and for the next few minutes, I want to lay down some other foundational principles about marriage before we jump into our points that you're going to fill in today, okay? So let's kind of unpack this for a second. In marriage, there are three components. You, your spouse, your marriage. I know that seems like we're oversimplifying things, but hang with me. Bible says that leave and cleave, that you leave your family of origin, you cleave to become one. So yes, in a sense, you are one, biblically speaking, but there are two people in the marriage. So there's three components total. Now, why does that matter? Well, it matters as we talk about internal condition of our heart versus the circumstances, okay? So the external condition of the circumstances in your marriage are your spouse and your marriage, and the internal condition of your heart is you. I need you to track with me. If if you don't see this, the rest of the message isn't going to make a lot of sense. So yes, you are one with your spouse, but you are still you. And when I talk about the internal condition of your heart, I'm talking about you. And then the external things that are happening in your marriage are your marriage and your spouse. So let me just say this up top before I go any further. Today's message is for you. It's not for your spouse, okay? Everything I talk about from this point forward, the temptation is going to be to think, and yes, pastor, if my spouse could just get their act together, everything in our marriage would get better, right? We would have less stress, okay? I hear you. I get you. But if that's the approach you take with today's message, you're not going to leave with anything that's ultimately going to help you. Let me also say, if you're not married, the things that we're going to talk about still matter as it pertains to the internal condition of your heart as well. But today is for you. So track with me with these four statements and see if they don't maybe challenge you a little bit. When you're experiencing stress in a marriage, it is easy to focus on your spouse and your marriage and conclude that they are the source of the stress. Now, do not say amen, okay? This would not be a good time to say it, okay? That's a very easy thing to think, all right? Next, kind of second principle. While it's probably true that they are contributing to your stress, I want us to focus today on who? On you. Get it? Nobody's spouse is perfect. They're probably contributing to some stress in your marriage, but that's not the point of today's message. The point of today's message is to focus on you. Even in a difficult marriage, it is the internal condition of your heart that will ultimately lead to blessing in your life. This is a paradigm shift for some of you. So I need you to let these words sink in and resonate for a second. Even in a difficult marriage, it is the internal condition of what is going on in your heart that has more to do with the blessing you're experiencing in your life. That's hard. That is counter to everything our world tells you about marriage and your spouse. But I need you to understand what God's word would have to say to you about this today. And then finally, fourth little principle here. The only way a marriage ultimately moves from stressed to blessed is if both spouses in the marriage focus on the internal condition 
of each of their own hearts. Now, I'll leave this up here for a second. I know I put a lot of words up there, but, but I need everybody to be on the same page before we jump in to our action steps. Both spouses, if you want to move from stress to blessed in your marriage, it takes both spouses being committed to this. If you only got one who signed up for this, it won't work. You got to have both committed. Committed to what? Focusing on the internal, internal condition of each of their own hearts. So Morgan and I will celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary in January, and I am super fired up about that. We've already booked the trip, okay? We've booked the trip, and we're going away. We're not taking the children. We may never return. It's going to be awesome, okay? I cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. I can't, I can't wait. First week of January, we're out of here. If you look for us the first week of January, you will not find us, and it's going to be awesome, okay? 20 years. Now, if you call Vaughn Forest home, you've heard us share before. First few years of our marriage, they, they, were, they were hard. They were difficult. Um, Chad actually interviewed us last year, last August. We talked about that, okay? You can still find that message somewhere on our website, okay? Now, here's the thing. Those first few years, everything people had told us would make a marriage difficult, those things weren't happening. Like, there was no infidelity. Nobody was stealing money. Nobody was listening to their parents more. So it's like, why is this so difficult to be married? And finally, someone said, you should go sit down with a good Christian marriage counselor. And we did, and it was incredibly helpful. So we have been proponents of good Christian marriage counseling for years. And some of the things that the marriage counselor told us not only helped us in that season, but they've been things we've come back to over and over. So listen, I'm not up here today as someone who's got a perfect marriage, okay? My wife and I still fight and argue just like the rest of y'all, but we call it intense fellowship because that sounds more spiritual, okay? So that's how we do it in our house, okay? I'd encourage you to do the same, right? So it's not like we got a perfect marriage, but some of the things we learned in those first few years, we have continued to use. But can I tell you the biggest thing we learned that changed our marriage? This last statement. It had more to do, back it up, it had more to do with the internal condition of what was going on in each of our own hearts. Our marriage got better when I stopped focusing on the things about Morgan that I wish she would change and started focusing on the internal condition of my own heart. Church, our marriage got better when Morgan stopped pointing out the things about me that she didn't like. And trust me, it's a long list, okay? I ain't perfect. And started focusing more on the internal condition of her own heart. So when I tell you today's message is for you, I need you to hear me say a couple things. One, I'm telling you that because that's what God's word tells you. But two, I'm telling you that because that's what I've experienced. I've experienced the power of change in a marriage that occurred when the two people in the marriage got on the same page and started focusing more on what was going on inside their own hearts instead of pointing out the things that they wanted their spouse to do differently. So here's the question I wanna ask you today as it pertains to your marriage. Is the internal condition of your heart off when it comes to your marriage? Not bad, not wrong, not misguided. Is it just a little off? You feel a little off in your marriage. And if that's the case, let me encourage you. See, if you feel a little off in your marriage when it comes to what's going on inside your heart and you can course correct before things get really bad, that's a good thing. Nobody here on this campus, nobody joining us online is doing everything perfectly. Nobody has a perfect marriage. But if you can begin to listen to the Lord and he says, listen, this is off a little bit with your heart as it pertains to your marriage, you can begin to take some steps in the right direction. So there's some message notes inside your bulletin. I need you to find those. We're going to walk through those. If you're joining us online, you can access them right here at Vaughn Force. 
Com. So let me tell you what the rest of our time is going to be. I'm going to offer up five possibilities for why your heart may be off a little bit. I don't know what's going on in your marriage. I haven't been reading your mail. I don't know what's going on, but the Lord does. And these are suggestions. Maybe this is what's happening. Maybe this is why your heart is off a little bit. But then we're going to say, if that's the case, here's what you do about that, according to God's word. So we've got a lot of doctors in our church. And so I don't know how all of this works, but I do know that if you're a doctor and you diagnose something that's wrong, a problem, a health issue, a health concern, but you don't prescribe a solution or at least a potential solution to that, that could be considered malpractice. I don't want to commit pastoral malpractice. I don't want to just, I don't want to just diagnose the problem. I also want to prescribe, hey, here's what God's word would say. So as we go through this, you be open to what God may have to say to you about why perhaps internal condition of your heart may be off with your marriage. Here's the first possibility, okay? Maybe the condition of your heart is off because you have unrealistic expectations about what marriage is supposed to look like. That's very easy to happen in today's world. Just have unrealistic expectations and your heart's a little off and you can't quite figure out why. Maybe it's from your own parents. Maybe they just set a very unrealistic expectation about what marriage was supposed to look like, okay? Maybe it's from some friends in your life. Maybe it's from just living in this world, okay? I mean, if you ever read a book as a kid and you read the line, they lived happily ever after. That's the greatest lie in all of human literature, okay? And we all read it a hundred times. Maybe you've seen way too many Disney movies. There's just some unrealistic expectations. So let's have some fun with this. I hope this is fun. It was fun for me to come up with this. So I'm gonna have fun for the next few minutes whether you have fun with me or not, okay? But it's like, you think maybe my marriage should be more like fill in the blank. And that might be true, but perhaps what's contributing to that are some unrealistic expectations. So I, I found a few pictures this week to maybe kind of just, you know, get some wheels turning. So first example, let's say that you think, man, I just wish my marriage was a little more exciting. It's just kind of boring. We just kind of do the same thing over and over. I, I, just, I just need a little bit more adventure in my life. Now, there's nothing wrong with that thought. and Maybe you do need to work on that. But you might have an unrealistic expectation contributing to that. Like maybe you think your marriage is supposed to look more like this, okay? This is Dom and Letty from Fast and Furious, okay? I mean, they're driving off bridges. They're parachuting out of planes, not by themselves. They're parachuting in a car out of a plane, okay? So it's like we see these things. It's like this adventurous couple, and man, we need to have more. That's a very unrealistic expectation. I mean, they're kind of in a gang for Pete's sake, right? So that's just not the best thing to kind of compare your marriage to, okay? Maybe you're like, no, 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 no. I don't even know who that is. That's not really what I'm thinking, okay? But, but maybe you're thinking, I just wish there was a little more romance, he used to hold my hand, right, ladies? He used to hold my hand walking through the Walmart parking lot. Like we just used to always kind of feel like we were connecting and now it just never seems that way and, and, and you, he doesn't plan anything special. And, I, and maybe, ladies, you're right. Guys, maybe we need to step it up a little bit, okay? But just for a minute, if I may, as your pastor, perhaps your expectations are a little unrealistic because maybe you've just watched a little bit too much of this, Okay. I mean, why settle for one when you can have the complete list of Hallmark Christmas movies, right? And they play them in July. I mean, what is going on, right? 
I mean, this is Fonzie. He's literally, Henry Winkler's on this for Pete's sake, okay? It's like, come on. I mean, you, we don't live in Vermont, and it doesn't snow all the time, and no, you're not going to meet a doctor in a coffee shop, okay? That's how they always go, right? I know the plot line, okay? So it's just a little unrealistic expectation. Maybe like, no, 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 no that's not me at all. Maybe you're, you're empty nesters, you're in a new season of life, and you're thinking this is kind of awesome, but it's a little challenging. The kids are gone, and and you want to be that like super charming, loving, helpful, inspirational, still guiding your adult kids, still kind of being there for them, you know, having good friendships and, and all of that's wonderful, but maybe your expectations are off. Maybe kind of the couple that you've kind of chosen as your example is George and Nina Banks. I mean, come on, right? I mean, father, the bride, what a great couple. They just seem to like be in love and they always know what to do, but it's super unrealistic. And I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the movie. I think, I think it's awesome. But do y'all remember in the movie, George gets arrested. We kind of leave that part out, don't we, right? Do you remember how George got arrested? For the superfluous buns. I've been waiting all week to say superfluous buns in a sermon. I'm very fired up about that, okay? But like Nina forgives him. All is well. He just has to make a few goofy promises. These are unrealistic expectations, okay? So let's get real for a second. I want to take you to God's word. You want to get a picture of what it's actually like to be in a marriage? Let's talk about Paul. Now, Paul wasn't married, and based on the passage we're about to read, we might get some insight into why Paul was not married, okay? Paul wrote more books in the New Testament than anybody else. Paul, theologically grounded. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, explains salvation better than any other New Testament writer. But I need you to see there was another side of Paul, okay? So look what Paul says here in Romans. This is Paul. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I don't do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I don't even know how to read this anymore, right? It is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. Can I just say for a second, Paul has gone cray-cray in this verse, right? It's like, what are we talking about? Well, that sounds like my spouse. That's the whole point, okay? This is Paul. And even Paul's like, I, I mean, I'm just, you know, two steps forward, one step back. So what's the truth? How do you combat unrealistic expectations in your marriage? Jot this down. Here's the truth. Accept the fact that you married a flawed person just like you. And let me tell you what that flawed person's going to do. The things they don't want to do. And what they want to do, they're not going to do it. Saved, redeemed by grace, experienced salvation, born again, new identity, and yet still struggling with that old sin nature. All of us. And sometimes we've just got to get a little better picture of what it means to be married to another human being who's flawed. Let me tell you the hard part about marriage messages. You'll hear this message, and you will leave, and you will think, you know what? We're going to put these things into practice. And by 3 o'clock this afternoon, you will have messed all of it up. I'm just telling you, okay? You're going to take two steps forward, one step back. And when that happens, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to be gracious with one another? Are you going to be kind with one another? Or are you going to continue to have some unrealistic expectations? And that is up to you and what's going on in the internal condition of your heart, okay? Let me give you the second possibility. Maybe your heart's off a little bit because you've allowed grievances and grudges to build to the point where your heart's hardened. You love your spouse, but because you love your spouse, they have unfettered access to your heart. Here's what that means. They can hurt you more than anyone else. 
that when your spouse lets you down, it hurts more. When your spouse disappoints you, it hurts more. When your spouse uses harsh words, it hurts more. And over time, that can begin to build a wall around your heart as you fail to forgive them. See, the question in a marriage isn't whether or not the two people in the marriage will hurt one another. The question in the marriage is what are you going to do about it when it happens? Will you forgive one another? Now look at this passage. This is really powerful and it's super challenging. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other because that's what you said you do on your wedding day. And that's not what it says. Forgiving each other because they deserve it. That's not what it says. They don't deserve it. Forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. The basis for you forgiving your spouse is the forgiveness that you have experienced in Christ Jesus. It literally has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with what you have experienced through your salvation. That's the reason we offer forgiveness. And if you're not forgiving your spouse for the things they've done against you, eventually, let me tell you what's going to happen to your heart. It's going to get hard. And not only will that affect your marriage, it will affect every other relationship in your life. So how do we combat that with some truth? You got to embrace this. Forgiveness is freely given. Trust is rightfully earned. See these two as distinct and understand what they mean in your marriage. If your spouse has done something to you, your role is to forgive your spouse. If your spouse has done something to erode trust, your spouse's responsibility is to earn back that trust. And that is all dependent on them, not you. It's dependent on their behaviors, not their intentions. These are separate things. Forgiveness is your, cho- is your choice. Whether or not trust is reestablished is their choice. What's God calling you to do? God's not calling you to rebuild trust for them. That, that's, that's them. That, that's between them and God. Here's what God's calling you to do. You got to forgive. For the good of your own heart. Maybe that's why your heart is a little bit off, not just in your marriage, but in a number of areas of your life. Okay, third possibility. Maybe your heart's a little off, a little bit off because you've been listening to too many of the wrong voices. Just listening to too many of the wrong voices. That is an easy thing to do in our world today. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody on social media. Maybe you're watching a bunch of you know, TV shows, you don't need to watch them. Like all these housewife shows. Who on earth watches these housewife shows? And if you're one of those people, repent in the name of the Lord and stop, right? I, I don't even know what they are. I just saw one on a Dallas Cowboys commercial. Housewives were tackling Dak Prescott. I got really confused. I didn't know what was happening, okay? But I'm like, what? People watch this? They do. And if that's you, stop it. You're not gonna learn anything helpful. They're like, well, I don't watch Housewives. Yeah, but I bet if we watch what you watch on Netflix, we'd go, hmm, okay. We might even judge you a little bit. All right, and listen, you gotta be careful. What are you streaming these days? What are the movies you're watching? The music you're listening to? Who are the people you follow on social media? It's like, I just love celebrity marriages. Well, yeah, that's a great example, right? They're a train wreck, all of them. What are you letting into your mind? Sometimes as adults, if we would just have the same standards that we try to impose on our kids, all of our lives would get better. We tell our kids this all the time. Hey, be careful what you listen to, what you watch and hang out with. And then we just have no filter. And we wonder why our marriages are in the shape they're in. It's because we're listening to the wrong voices. Look at what God's word has to say about this. This matters. Here's a really good verse to kind of use as your standard 
Whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There should be a guard. There should be a wall. There should be a filter. You should be really careful about the things you let into your mind. And here's why. Jot this down. Here's the truth. What we fill our minds with shapes our thoughts. It shapes our attitudes. It shapes our beliefs. It shapes our actions. It shapes our emotions. We forget this because we're such a, you know, overly romanticized love, lovey-dovey. Oh, everything's just so wonderful. Every thought you have about love originates from your mind, not the organ that pumps blood into your body, okay? That, that is just, come on. It's all up here. The things that you let into your mind affect the way you think about your spouse. Love, romance, affection, all of these things. What you fill your mind with. Are you proactively filling your mind with truth? Or are you just kind of going through the world with no filter, no guard, and whatever kind of gets in your mind, it just kind of gets in your mind, it takes root? Might I suggest that's why your heart's a little off when it comes to your marriage, okay? So let me give you a next step. I got a next step for you. Send me a 10 one another verses for our marriage magnet. We made a magnet this week. I'm so fired up about this, okay? I know you can make a magnet. We did, okay? Now, this is not on your connection card. So if you want one of these magnets, you need to write the word magnet on the prayer request line on the connection card. If you're joining us online, just type out the word magnet, okay, on the prayer request line. So let me tell you what we did this week. I chose 10 one another verses from the New Testament, and then beside them, I put in parentheses a little challenge for you to remember as it pertains to your spouse. And there's 10 of them. And it's literally labeled 10 one another verses for our marriage. And our team is going to figure out how to put this on a magnet, and we want to send it to you in the mail. And I want you to slap it on your fridge beside your kid's artwork. That's awesome. It's beautiful. It's from the Lord, okay? But I want you to put this magnet on there because it's more important than your kid's artwork. And I want you to look at it every day, both of you together. And I want you to be challenged by it. And I want you to fill your mind with these verses. So it's going to take us a couple of weeks to get it turned around. We got to get them ordered. We got to get them delivered. We then got to mail them. So make sure we have your mailing address. And if you're not sure if we have your mailing address, update it on your connection card. And we will send this to you in the mail. And I want you to put this on your fridge. And I want you to fill your mind with it. And I want you to be challenged by it. The New Testament is full of one another passages. And the first place to apply those one another passages are not in your life group at church are not with the people you serve with at church, are not with the people that you're going on a mission trip with at church. The first place to apply the one another passages in the New Testament are with your spouse. Your spouse. And they're challenging when you read these one another passages as they pertain to your marriage, okay? So I think you're gonna enjoy this. I think it's gonna be a fun thing to put on your fridge. I think it's gonna be challenging. So make sure you write that on the connection card so we can get that to you in the mail in the next few weeks, okay? Maybe a fourth possibility while your heart's a little off. Perhaps you've let your thoughts, affections, and emotions become focused on someone or something other than your spouse. So we'll leave this up here for a second because it's a lot of things to write down, and I want to talk about both of these. So let's talk about this first one. If your thoughts, affections, and emotions have become focused on someone else other than your spouse, I need you to listen to me. Stop it. Stop it. You're going to destroy your life. 
You're going to be found out. You're going to be sitting in your living room with your kids telling them what you did. That will happen unless you stop it. We have become way too careless with our marriages, church. You have got to keep your affections and your emotions and your thoughts and your love and your heart focused on your spouse. And if there is anything in your life right now that is keeping you from doing that with everything you have in you, you need to get rid of it. If it's social media, get rid of it. If it's your smartphone, throw it away or flush it down the toilet. I don't care what you have to do. Your marriage is worth it. And if you are in that place today and you do not stop, you're going to destroy your life and you're going to destroy the lives of the people you care about the most. You've got to take these things seriously. It is only a matter of time before you act upon this. If you don't stop it, your actions will follow your thoughts. Your actions will follow your emotions. And this is not something to just play with. It is like playing with fire and thinking you won't get burned. You're going to get burned. And a lot of other people are gonna get hurt as well. And I would not talk to you this directly as your pastor unless I cared about you. And I care about your marriage. And you gotta stop it. You gotta cut that out. Now maybe... It's the other thing. You're focused on something other than your spouse, and it's not another person. It's just something else that's taken the place of the role your spouse should have as it pertains to your emotions. Can I tell you who this oftentimes happens with? Our kids. It can be so easy as parents, because we love our kids, to put the needs of our kids before the needs of our spouse. So let all of our effort and energy and emotion and affection be consumed by our children and have nothing left in the tank for our spouse. The greatest gift you can give your kids is a healthy marriage. Biblically speaking, let me tell you what this looks like. Our primary relationship is with Jesus Christ. To the degree that I grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ is to the degree that I will love my wife better and love our boys, Sam, Jacob, and Henry better. The same is true for you as well. But after Jesus, it's my relationship with Morgan. After Morgan, then come the kids. And this is something we have to fight for in our marriage, to make sure that our hearts and our affection and our emotions is focused on each other, not them at the expense of one another. Maybe it's your career. Maybe you're too involved in church. Maybe there's something else you're having to take care of this season of your life. And it's not a bad thing, but it's robbing you from the emotion and the energy that you need to have focused on your spouse. So it's not always just a bad thing with another person. It can be a good thing that's actually getting you off focus, and maybe that's why your heart is off. Look at what God's Word has to say about just protecting ourselves. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You cannot go through this life without guarding your heart. You have to guard your heart if you want to have a marriage that thrives. You have to guard your heart if you want your marriage to experience blessing. So what's the truth? What's the action step here? Healthy boundaries build trust. If you don't have healthy boundaries in your marriage, you need to establish some healthy boundaries. And you need to be on the same page with one another about what those healthy boundaries are. Healthy boundaries build trust. Healthy boundaries provide more freedom, not less. 
Healthy boundaries are what will build security in your marriage. And if you don't have healthy boundaries that allow your heart's affection to be focused on one another, if you don't have healthy boundaries that guard one another's hearts, you've got to put those into place or it is only a matter of time before your marriage is destroyed. And perhaps this is God's way today of prompting you by going, yeah, and you're just a little off. And we want to catch that now before it gets to be something that destroys a lot of people's lives, okay? Number five, perhaps the, another reason, last reason, possibility, maybe, that your heart's off is because you've set the bar way too low in your marriage. Internal condition of your heart, it's off. Perhaps because you've set the bar way too low. You're familiar with this phrase? You set the bar high, high expectations. And you set the bar too low, low expectations. I think it's a problem in a lot of marriages. They just set the bar too low. There's not many expectations. I can't tell you how many times in 22 years of being a pastor, I've just had to have this conversation and it breaks my heart every time I have to have it. And listen, I, I know many of you have seen a lot more life than me, got a lot more life experience than me. But in 22 years of being a pastor, I've seen this a few times because you know, Morgan and I, we'll talk about marriage. We talk about struggles. We talk about things. We, we like to get things out in the open and try to encourage. And, and so because of that, every now and then someone will say, hey, you know, can I sit down? Can, can we talk to you about what's going on in our marriage? Sometimes it's Morgan and I. Sometimes it's just me. And I always tell them the same thing. Like, look, I'm, I'm not a professional marriage counselor, so I'm not going to act like one. You know, I'm your pastor. I love you. I care about you. I'll do everything I can to pray for you and encourage you. And then I'm going to help you take the step to go see a licensed professional marriage counselor because that benefited our marriage as well. But I was talking to a married couple. This has been years ago. And uh, they had been married a lot longer than, than Morgan and I had been married. And, and their marriage was not in a good place. It was very obvious to see the disdain they had for one another. That they weren't even trying to hide as they sat in my office and talked about their marriage. And one of the things they kept saying over and over in this conversation was how they don't believe in divorce. And how they would never get divorced. And they just kept saying it over and over while they're like sitting there completely not being able to stand one another. And I finally just said, well, that's interesting. Do you know which couples tend to get divorced? And they're like, no. I was like, the couples that continue to say over and over again that they would never get divorced. And they just looked at me with a very puzzled look. And I said, you guys have set the bar way too low for your marriage. Has the goal of your marriage just simply been not to get divorced? Because guess where that goal landed you? In my office. This is why I'm not a good counselor. I'm like, what are we talking about here? You keep telling me that you're not going to get a divorce and you won't even look at each other. And it was like the conviction of the Holy Spirit just fell on them in that moment. They set the bar too low. They set the bar too low. Hey, church, if the goal of our marriages is to just simply not get divorced, how are we any better than the world? Have we not been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Have we not been called to live a life more abundantly? Have we not been called to see two becoming one where we serve one another? I mean, isn't the idea that a marriage should be thriving? I mean, isn't the goal that this year's the best year of your marriage and then next year's better than this year? Or are you just kind of like stuck on one year that you just keep repeating year after year after year? See, you can stay married and be totally emotionally separated from one another. It's the couple that's been married for 40 years that goes out to dinner and they don't even talk. They just look at their phones. It's the couple that's been married for decades, but they honestly just kind of live together. What's going on there? Let me tell you what I think is going on there. Way too low of a bar. 
just never set the expectations. Just never set the expectations of what could possibly be. Let me give you an incredible verse that I want to challenge everybody to put into practice with their spouse. Proverbs 25. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Hey, husbands, your wife's heart, deep waters. Hey, wives, I know we don't always show it very well, and we can be pretty simplistic as men. There's some deep waters in your husband's heart. Hey, what if you saw your role as being the person that God actually chose to draw that out? To have the insight to draw out of their heart what's really going on. To set that type of expectation in your marriage where you actually continue to love and grow and learn and experience one another more with each passing year, not less. So let me give you the truth that I want to challenge you to with this. Discovering who your spouse is today matters. Not who your spouse was on the day you married them. Not who your spouse was when you became parents. Not who your spouse was when you became empty nesters or grandparents or all the other things. Who are they right now? What's going on in their heart right now? What are their thoughts, fears, expectations, joy, stress, blessing, right now? Do you know the answer to any of these questions right now, or are your answers already outdated? See, to what God's called you to be. God's called you to be the person who does what? Who draws that out in a loving way. But church, it will not happen unless you get intentional about it. Loving your spouse today, discovering who your spouse is today, it matters. You want to protect your marriage? Discover your spouses today. Draw from those deep wells today. Would you join me as we pray together? So God, that's our prayer. God, we want our marriages to be marriages that are God-honoring. God, we want our marriages to be life-giving. God, we want our marriages to be something that we see as a blessing, that, that of all the people that you could have chosen to bring into our lives, you chose our spouse. And what an amazing honor it is to get to serve them as their spouse. And God, as we move into this time of response for many of us, that calls on a time of repentance. God, for some of us, we've just gotten pretty lazy in our marriage. We've gotten lazy with, with boundaries. We've gotten lazy with our emotions. We've gotten lazy with our time. We've gotten lazy with our priorities. God, for others of us, we've just got some unrealistic expectations. For others of us, we've, 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 we've kind of dug in and, and we're holding a grudge and, and we're not offering forgiveness. God, for some of us, we're listening to the wrong voices. We've got no filters. We're not proactively feeding our mind with your word. And God, for many of us, we walked in here today not in a place of joy in our marriage, and we actually thought that was our spouse's fault. God, we repent of that. That we acknowledge it's what's going on in our own hearts that's contributing to the mess that we're in. And God, I'm grateful that when we come to a place of repentance, you're there for us. That you remind us once again of the forgiveness that you purchased for us on the cross. And God, I'm grateful that when we see what's right in front of us in our marriage, and so many times that's what we get hung up on, God, you see generations ahead of us. And you have purpose. And you have plans. 
And if we could see what you see for a moment, all we would do is align ourselves with you. So God, maybe in these next few moments, some couples need to pray together. Maybe they need to come to the altar together. Maybe they need to kneel at their seats together. Maybe they should need to cry out in repentance together. But God, as we sing these songs, will you do some business with your children? So Lord, we thank you for that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, would you stand? And as you do, our team will lead us in this time of response.